Hey everyone, so it is Pride Month and I made a decision this month that instead of doing something fun like about queer culture or something kitschy that you would like and maybe like a clickbaity thing, I wanted to focus on the culture of our bodies as queer people, as gender non-conforming people and as marginalized people. As you know, if you saw the episode from last month which talked about reproductive justice and this monumental historical decision that's being made this month by the Supreme Court to potentially overturn Roe versus Wade, many of us were not prepared for this. And so I wanted to help you prepare for that, for this potential uh, major decision that's happening in our country. And also think about it in an intersectional way, right? When we think about the feminist movement, we think about pro-choice, one slogan sort of rules all, and that's our body, our choice, right? And so I want to continue this conversation from last month. I want us to think about how this is going to affect all of us if this possibly goes through and sort of prepare and prepare how to how to create some resistance around it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Ivanya Woods from Repro Action and happy pride. So just had heard something very disturbing and heard terms that have been used in a feminist reproductive justice context, bodily autonomy, to uh, talk about anti-vax and anti-masking campaigns uh, by conservative people. It's this notion of an individual's right, and that's what bodily autonomy is, right, as compared to uh, public health as compared to, you know, community. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. community uh, as compared to all the immunocompromised people and the other communities that are compromised. And so yeah, I, I kind of looked up different organizations and their stances and seen, seen an ACLU had, you know, directly spoken about this appropriation and said that it wasn't a civil rights issue. There's no way to hurt people without hurting yourself. Like you can't hurt another group that you think you don't identify with or like you don't fit into without hurting the group that you fit into or the groups that you fit into, right? There's, we're all connected. There's just no way to do that. And as a quick example, you think about slavery and how we can talk about how slavery was awful for black people, for Africans and for the descendants and for their descendants. There's 12 generations of, uh, African peoples that were brought to the Western Hemisphere to serve um, as slaves and who were enslaved, right? But you think further about not only were they receiving these, uh, the hardships, like on the receiving end of the hardships, but you have to think about the damage that that does to the people that have to, that are implementing those hardships, right? Like, how do you, and you, carry that over to um, post-reconstruction and the lynching era and even now with um, police killing unarmed uh, black men and women and mm -hmm. you and brown people and, and women and the damage that that does right you can't hang people massively rape them chop them up like the things that they're doing burning them alive and riddling their bodies with bullets and like you can't do beating them to death you know, and the, and the tools that they were using, that they were creating just to crucify people, just to do harm. You can't do that to other people without messing up your own psyche. 
mm-hmm. right? And then, and then you know, be like, this is what I'm doing to you, and nothing's happening to me. It's going to warp you. It's going to warp you in ways that you're unprepared for, clearly in denial about, right? Um, so bringing it back out of the example, like you can't take away the rights of some without taking it away for everyone. That's why it's more accurate to say, you know, they have the population will lose bodily autonomy directly. And the other half will lose bodily autonomy indirectly because mm-hmm. like people who can get pregnant are not getting pregnant by themselves. It's not like only people who can get pregnant want abortion access either. Uh, you got men complaining about child support now, child, just wait. <laughs> right. And then there's like, you know, the impact, there's the child abuse that I mentioned, the neglect, the child neglect um, that yes. comes with parents who are not cut out for raising children. And then you know, antis who propose adoption as, oh, you always have adoption. Adoption only solves raising children. It does not solve being pregnant, right? And so we're supposed to put our children into adoption uh, and an adoption system that just lost like thousands of kids within the last few years that were at the border with their parents, that adoption system. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then you, you know, I, I just don't, that adoption system is not going to be able to handle an influx of, of infants coming in, right? And then and then state legislatures are also, you know, cutting welfare and assistance programs, right? These same states that outlaw abortion and want to pass abortion bans, they're also cutting funding for health care, cutting, fam- cutting funding from welfare and assistance programs. We're the wealthiest nation and we have the poorest health outcomes. I, I want to... Th- think a little bit about that and maybe parse that apart to think about, you know, how gender non-conforming people and, and their positionality fits within this movement and to think beyond the, that binary of gender identification and also just to think beyond these binaries and hierarchies in general that we're conditioned to live under, you know, institutionally to think through and to try to get out from under, you know, uh, yeah. in, in, internally and intellectually um, and how they don't really show up in in policy laws, hiring practices, company policies, people in Congress and, and, and people who create policy and advocate a lot of the conservative people. They don't even understand what trans means or even consider them as like legitimate they don't consider us as like legitimate people. Like we don't exist basically, or we shouldn't exist. How we can think beyond these kind of binaries or institutional limitations that have been put on us to be more critical when policy is falling short and protecting and considering its most marginalized citizens within this within this uh, group, within these communities. Another thing we spoke about on the show is in terms of reproductive rights having a direct effect on on sexual rights and we had talked about lgbtq communities we talked about gender non-conforming communities and individuals as well and uh you know again going back to that bodily autonomy thing uh right to privacy right to just sort of like live the life you want to live and that civil suit aspect of these uh of of these bills becoming laws and being passed uh is really frightening uh, because there is a sense that that citizens are policing other citizens. Right. Yeah. And 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 who's to say, you know, think about something that I um, that Sheila had brought up on the show. Um, She had talked about how all the states 
all over the country who had uh, abortion bans from the 20s and 30s that hadn't been overturned. And so um, people were relying on those to go back to those and and bring those back out. And so, you know, I think about like anti-sodomy laws too. I'm wondering how many of those are still around in the community so that gay men could be attacked and and held in like criminal cases as well. If Roe versus Wade gets overturned, it's already happening in a sense because, you know, because yep. of Texas and the Supreme Court hasn't yet addressed that or done anything about it. And now it's other other states are following suit. Um, where do you see that going from from there in terms of the repercussions on all of us, I guess? You see that with a lot of the anti-trans bills that are popping up across yes. the country right now. And even more recently. And yeah, the thing is, is that when you're operating within a binary that says you can only be a man or a woman and um, you get this third category of trans and mm-hmm. then you get a fourth category of non-gender binary conformity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, they are losing their sugar honey iced tea. Okay, <laughs> they do not know what to do other than to shut it down, right? And there's no space, there's no room to incorporate other options because if we let trans and non-gender binary conforming be a thing, then how do we make sense of the world? How am I a woman? How do I get to be a man? What does it all even mean? It's chaos and I can't handle chaos. Um, and then you get J.K. Rowling, who just can't wrap her head around it. You know, you get your turfs and you get um, politicians who don't have the slightest clue on what they're talking about. The way that we challenge it is, you know, a variety of things. First of which is people have to continue to be bold and share their stories. And in a more general sense, just resist from wherever you are. Like you don't have to be on the street with a sign protesting. You don't have to be at the Capitol, federal or state um, testifying or giving your testimony. But that's also powerful because you're sharing your story. When you do that, you can write it, start a blog. You can post it on your social media. You the thing is, is that um, people think like, oh, you know, even when it comes to abortion, like, Uh, they can hold these exclusionary ideas and positions because they think they don't know anybody who fits that description. Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier to discriminate against people when you feel like, I don't know them. They have nothing to do with the world I live in. Um, And then you can think about through that, right, dissociation as people not being people. It makes it easier to you know, be violent and not just condone it, but, you know, engage in violence against those people. And dehumanize. I mean, this is the first thing that happens before war, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the propaganda dehumanizes. We've saw it in Russia and Ukraine, the attempt to dehumanize Ukrainians before that happened. I mean, every incident, I mean, you couldn't have slavery without dehumanizing Africans. You couldn't have World War One and Two without dehumanizing Jews and people of color. Um, Every war, you're right, every war, every conflict, 
starts with the dehumanization of people. And even on, you know, a smaller level, I guess you could say it's still a huge level. But yeah, like you couldn't have the economic uh, inequities that we do unless you come up with these scripts about poor people. Right. Yeah. You have to dehumanize poor people. They're poor. And they're almost they're lazy. I'd love to hear your takeaway for this for this podcast and maybe something that came to you in terms of our conversation, something, just one thing that maybe you're going to walk away with. One thing, uh, I think I'm going to, it's just, just been like a reminder of the importance of the work that I do. And in particular, breaking down concepts so that people can understand them in a way that accurately represents what they are so that they can go on and educate other people or even in their education, be able to uh, challenge people in systems that need to be challenged. So I just want to keep equipping people with the tools to do that and keep thinking critically about ways to make that more easily accessible for people so that they can do that. Yeah, that's great. And I would love for the listeners, the viewers of the intersection, just to have an idea of how we might get involved with ReproAction, your work around reproductive rights, how we can stay in touch with you to learn about what you're doing or what people in the organization are doing. All right. So let's see. I would love for people to hop on ReproAction's website. It's ReproAction.org. You can join our listserv from there. Um, you can sign our petitions and you can also donate to us. Uh, the revolution will be funded. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on social media. We're at ReproAction on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and then like my advice for people, if they want to support our work and keep up with our work is to do that. Like the listserv is the best way to keep up with our work because you'll get our emails. You'll see what we're working on. You'll see what actions are coming up. We have a monthly newsletter. And then my advice to people on just um, resisting from wherever you are. You can be writing um, commentary for your local newspapers. You can testify at your state legislature against these harmful bills that are coming through the anti-trans bills, the anti-abortion bills. Um, get on that and you can do so many things um, that constitute as direct action and you can also continue to educate yourself like they're listening to this podcast and that's great before we close I just wanted to also remind the listeners and viewers that the intersection is uh, queer people of color gender non-conforming programs and uh, educational tutorials and so on that are done free of service. So we also have uh, a way for you to connect with us and to uh, spread the word on what we're doing. So please like us, subscribe. We're a very small team of people and neither Ivania or any other guest or I get uh, paid with the GoFundMe that we have attached to the intersection. It all goes to production costs. And I'll just close out and just thank Ivanya Woods uh, so much for being on the show. This has been season two, episode seven, Reproductive Justice, Bodily Autonomy and Agency During the Threat of Overturning Roe versus Wade. And you've been here with Ivanya Woods, the movement builder, building and research manager for ReproAction, an organization working to increase access to abortion and advance reproductive justice. 
And last thing is uh, Ivanya Wood's PhD. I forgot to mention that at the closing. Thank you so much for being with us and we will see you next time. 